Jeremiah 2 and Matthew 5. Beginning with Jeremiah chapter 2. This is God's word. The word of the Lord came to me. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the firstfruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty, and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, all you clans of the house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and rifts, a land of drought and darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives? I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce. But you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priests did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, following worthless idols. Therefore, I bring charges against you again, declares the Lord, and I will bring charges against your children's children. Cross over to the coasts of Katim and look. Send to Kedar and observe closely. See if there has ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. Now let's turn over to Matthew chapter 5 from verse 13. This passage that we know refers to us being salt and light. Matthew 5, verse 13, page 969 of the Pew Bible. Jesus is speaking. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Amen. We trust that God will bless to us his word. Well, can I just say uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to be with you here this evening and to have this chance to share and worship with you. It's a delight for us to hear English for a change and to worship in our native tongue. It's been a real pleasure to, to be in God's presence this evening. But what I want to do just for the next number of minutes here if, um, is just take you through a wee bit about what life looks like for us on a daily basis. 
And then we're going to finish up by coming back to the reading from Jeremiah and Matthew 5. So this is where we are. We're in a little suburb called Senora de Orda. It's in uh, a suburb of the city of Porto, Greater Porto in northern Portugal. We moved there in 2013, and in January 2014, six months after we moved, we officially launched the, the, uh, the, the Porto Project church plant. The church is being planted in association with the Christian Presbyterian Church of Portugal, or we call it ICPP for short, and that's an evangelical Presbyterian denomination in Portugal that has 110 members in the whole of Portugal, that has one elder and has seven pastors. It's a very, very small denomination, probably would fit in here with us this evening very comfortably. We're also involved, thanks to God, in a team ministry. There's ourselves who've been there since the start. We originally worked with a young Australian couple, but they had to return to Australia uh, and sort out a number of personal issues there. But from the very start, our, our role and our goal has always been to plant a Portuguese church. It's not a PCI church, it's not a, an American church, it's a Portuguese church. And so Portuguese leadership has been very, very important, has been on our prayer request from the very start. Just in June last year, this young man, Pedro, came and joined us. Uh, and in January this year, his young Brazilian wife came and joined us. So we're very, very happy to have Pedro and Amada working with us on a daily basis, which gives a very important Portuguese identity and helps us break down some of those barriers of being seen as a foreign import. They're a tremendous couple. He has a great gift for evangelism and a great passion to see his own people come to know the gospel of Christ. And then at the beginning of next year, God willing, around February or March time, this young couple, Chris and Rachel Humphreys and little Ezra, will come and join us. They spent a summer with us in 2016 as volunteers and have just been selected as candidates for missionary service by PCI and will be sent out to join the team from March, God willing. But church planning is not about the leadership. It's not about us. The real heart of church planning is about the people that God calls to himself and how he uses those people where he has placed them in their daily lives. Let's just tell you about one or two of them. So this lady here is Fernanda. She is in her 60s. She's recently retired after working for 40 years in the banking industry. She was born in Mozambique, which is a Portuguese colony. She's lived in Zimbabwe. She's lived in South Africa as well. She returned to her Portuguese roots in the 1990s and she's been living in Porto ever since. She's now divorced. Her only son lives in Lisbon with his wife and uh, two young children. Fernanda grew up being sympathetic to the gospel. Her parents in South Africa even attended an evangelical church. But the gospel didn't start to impact Fernanda's life until much more recently. So how did we meet Fernanda? When Pedro arrived in Porto last June, he needed to find a room to stay for a few weeks. And he ended up renting a room in Fernanda's house. And on his first day, James said, he's a great evangelist, on his first day in Fernanda's house, he noticed that there was a Bible sitting. It was a Bible that Fernanda read occasionally. But within the first week, Pedro was sharing the gospel with her, he was reading the Bible with her, and he was praying with her, and 
Fernanda came with Pedro to Comunidade Pedro's Vivas, our, our little church, on the first week that Pedro um, was in Porto. And at this time, Fernanda's youngest grandson, he wasn't even two years old at the time, was extremely ill with stage four cancer in his brain. And it was a heartbreaking situation for Fernanda and for the whole family. And as individuals and as a church, we began to pray for Fernanda's grandson. And over a number of months, he began to get better until eventually the doctors told the family that no more treatment was necessary. And by this stage, Fernanda's faith was growing and she had accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And she continues to testify to the power of prayer, clearly seen in the recovery of her little grandson. Fernanda is now very much part of CPV, Comunidade Pedras Vivas, and we even have had a small group um, ministry meeting in her house from time to time. She's hungry for God's word. She prays continually. Stories like Fernanda's bring us great joy and encouragement as we see the power of God at work in the lives of the Portuguese people. We give thanks to God for the growth within Comunidade Pedras Vivas in the last year. We're particularly thankful for Fernanda and for another young Portuguese man called Luis who came to faith as well very recently. We have now got about 15 people as a core group. Some of these are Portuguese people who've been journeying with us over the past few years. Others have joined us more recently from Brazil. There's many, many people, Brazilians, coming out of Brazil and moving to Europe. And these Brazilian brothers and sisters who have come to make their lives in Portugal can bring a small fellowship like Comunidade Pedras Vivas, great encouragement, bringing new life to the body and a maturity of faith. But our vision continues to be to reach the people of Portugal with the gospel. As we say, Pedro's role is really as an evangelist. This takes him out on the streets. Um, he'll do that very regularly. He'll be on the metros and do little one-minute one-minute short presentations on the metro. He just has that gift of getting alongside people, building up those relationships, and just chatting to them. And we really give thanks for this gift, which has brought a new dynamic to our team approach, and it's really, really good. But as I mentioned earlier, another aspect is building up relationships. And what we've discovered with the, the Portuguese being quite suspicious and standoffish with foreigners, they need time to build up trust and to get to know you. So we found that things like what we call five nights has worked quite well. An informal five night course, five Friday nights, invite a few people to come, maybe half a dozen people, very simple soup and bread, and then we just start and we lay out basically Genesis to Apocalypse, the whole plan of God's salvation, little chunks at a time, asking their questions, answering their doubts, and this has really been a, a, a really good way of breaking down barriers and people being introduced perhaps for the first time to what the Bible actually says about who God is and who Jesus is. And we're hoping now that through our small group ministries, through the Portuguese homes that we're meeting in, that they will then invite their friends and family into their homes to do something along the Five Nights program. But discipleship is absolutely important as we seek to encourage God's people to be living stones. It's important to teach 
new Christians. It's important to equip them for works of service. It's vitally important in mainland Europe to equip them for the workplace, for the classroom, for the college, for the market, wherever they are confronted with people who have very different views so they can give an answer for the faith and the hope that they have. And the small group ministry is where we found that works very effectively. We meet every other Friday night in the home of one of our members. We've been studying the book of Romans. And we also do discipleship one-on-one with new converts like Fernanda and Luis. As Christian women, we also meet together to study God's word. We've been studying the women of the Bible, Eve, Sarah, Rahab, and the next one we're going to study is Ruth in just a couple of weeks' time. Young people are a specific group that we seek to evangelize and disciple. Um, It's great to see so many young people here tonight. In our gathering, we maybe have two or three or four of all different ages, so it can be quite a challenge. Um, We've met together, we have um, five or six who have some connection with the church. And at the beginning of November, we would hope to bring these young people together to start a small discipleship group to help these young people to grow in their faith. Many young people have no contact with Christians. Our own Christian young people have no Christian friends in school. That's a huge challenge. When our girls were in school, they didn't know any other Christians. It was a very difficult environment for them. And it's important for young people to have a safe space to come and to play together, to watch films, to make friends. It's not easy reaching out to non-Christian young people, but pray that through this group, we would be able to invite others to come and to participate and pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ would transform hearts and pray too for our own young people that they would grow in their faith. We've reached a really exciting phase in Comunidad de Pedras Vivas. On the 4th of November, uh, we will be receiving our first members and we're currently running a six-week membership preparation class for that. Pray for everyone who will take this step in the next few weeks. Pray for their continued spiritual growth. Pray for a desire to serve in Comunidad de Pedras Vivas and pray for God to lead and direct us as we move forward. But a question we sometimes get asked when we come back to this part of the world is why on earth are we planting churches in Europe? After all, isn't Europe considered to be a Christian nation, a Christian continent? Well, earlier we read from Jeremiah 2, and in this chapter, God speaks directly to his chosen people, Israel, and it's not good news. God looks back with fondness at the days of the early covenant relationship with Israel and his chosen people, and he says this, the word of the Lord came to me, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. At that early stage in Israel's relationship with God, they loved God, they followed God with great devotion, just as a bride loves her groom. But now many centuries later, the current reality is very different in the life of Israel. On a day-to-day basis, being part of the people of God makes little impact on the daily lives of Israel. 
They consider that being part of the people of God is nothing more than what I would call a cultural tag of identity. It defines them and their identity, but it doesn't impact their lives. And then the scathing conclusion comes from God in verse 13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. This was the reason for the judgment and exile that came soon after. They had chased after other gods. They had created things to worship and adore that were made of metal and made of stone and made of woods. They preferred their own cisterns that they had created rather than the true God who is the source of living water. And the result of that in the history of Israel was a broken society with injustice, poverty, discrimination, and terrible things going on. As I have lived and worked in the southern part of mainland Europe for the last 10 years, I see the words of Jeremiah 2 played out right in front of me on a daily basis. Today, European citizens consider themselves to be Christian because they were born in a Christian country. They were baptized or confirmed or whatever rite of passage they were submitted to in their youth. But Christianity for so many in Europe is just a cultural tag of identity. On a day-to-day basis, Christianity has little impact on their daily life. Instead, they're chasing after other things, hoping to find satisfaction, fulfillment. But they discover that the things they work so hard for, the things that they invest their time and their money in, are nothing more than broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So why church planting within Portugal? Well, within Portugal, the Christian identity that we see around us is expressed under the tag of Roman Catholicism. But as I said, very different to what you would see and hear here, see and hear in this part of the world. It's deeply embedded within our culture in Portugal. The architecture with grand church buildings in every corner, scattered throughout the cities and towns. The holidays and annual festivals revolve around the religious calendar. Senora da Ora, where we live, literally means Our Lady of the Hour, which is where the Virgin Mary appeared in 1895. And every year in the month of May, for two weeks, they stop and they celebrate with a tremendous fervency and sincerity. You saw the procession earlier. But they're misplaced and they're misguided because they've never had the opportunity to see the Word of God assess what they're doing personally. Christianity for many around us is understood as a series of rites and rituals involving various things to appease God, grace and love and goodness and a good, good father and a loving son and the power of the Holy Spirit are concepts that they have never had explained to them because they've never had a chance to sit and read a Bible. The Bible is a closed book. It's a a good luck token handed down from generation to generation but it's not opened and people have no way of assessing. So in Portugal and other parts of southern Western Europe, we can no longer assume that people understand what grace is, what salvation is, who Jesus is, how we get to God. They don't have any idea. And so a lot of our work is taking down misunderstandings so that we can bring the work of the gospel. And so that means as a church, we need to move out in mission planting mission-minded churches 
Church is made up of people who are convinced from personal conversion that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, that he came here to give his life so that we might be set free and that we might be released from the evil of the present age in which we live. Churches of people who live out their lives wherever they are, socializing with friends, with neighbors, in the workplaces, in the classroom, in the colleges, on the football grounds, between parents and children, brothers and sisters. And that is why we have called ourselves Living Stones. Comunidad de Pedros Vivas means Living Stones Community. And we chose that very specifically because as we read in our early days through First Peter, the identity there just seemed to resonate with us. Peter was writing to, I believe, a small group of Christians in a hostile environment, small in number, marginalized, discriminated against, not understood. And Peter writes to him and says, look, you may be rejected by society, but know this, you are called and precious in God's sight. You are living stones. Just like Jesus was rejected, you may be rejected. But just like Jesus, you're called to live out obedience to the Father. And you're called to live your life in such a way that they will look at you and give glory to God. Team is very important to give direction and leading. But ultimately, it's through the witness of the Christians that the gospel penetrates society. And that's what we see in the images you know so well of salt and light. Salt has two properties. To preserve, which was its original use. It wasn't used to give flavor. It was used to preserve things from becoming rotten. But it also gives flavor to things. And that's what I believe Jesus is saying to us. When he wants us to be salt, we are to go out into society to flavor it with the values of the God we worship through Jesus. And as we stand up for those values of God, we stop our society from becoming more rotten but we're also called to be light. We're also called to reach out there, and we have to do that in a way that is vibrant and is visible and is prominent and may make us quite exposed at times. But in the dark, dark days on mainland Europe, and I believe they're not too far away from this part of the world either, the greatest challenge for us who profess faith in Jesus Christ is to be salt and to be light. It's not easy living with the deal reality of being considered totally weird, which is what we really are considered. It's not just because we're from Northern Ireland. It's because we are disciples of Jesus. It's because we believe that he is the only one. CPV, or Comunidad de Pedros Vivas, is a church plant. It's an embryo of a church. It's growing, but praise God there is growth. As Heather mentioned, we have a core group of 15 to 16 people. And these people have daily opportunities to be salt and light. But one of the things that we've inherited from the culture in which we live in is, I guess, a Roman Catholic tradition of actually you just go to church and you kind of suck it all up and watch what's going on and then you go out and you come back in a week later to be topped up and you go out and you come back a week later to be topped up. You come to what they would say to watch church. You don't come to do church. You don't come to be church. And we see that that idea of passive worship is inherent in the evangelical churches in Portugal. People come to church to watch what is said from the front, to be built up in their faith, but they don't really have very much to do after that. You just go away for a week and you come back again. 
I firmly believe if church planting is to prosper in Europe and in Portugal in particular, we need to pray that this passive idea of worship, that we come just to receive and to watch, needs to be broken. We need to pray that there would be a real understanding of Jesus' call to serve. And it's wonderful to hear you talking about different ways of serving here over the next few weeks and months. That we need to become people who are active for Christ, wherever he may lead us and whatever he may lead us into. How do you plant a church? I think the simplest way I can put it is it's people who know Jesus sharing their lives with people who don't know Jesus so that by God's spirit and God's word they might have a chance to know who Jesus is. Come to living faith. Come become a body of Christ, become a vibrant body of Christ and reach in in all aspects that surround the community as salt and light and transform from within. In some respects, what you are doing here in, in this part of the world is no different to what we're doing, albeit we're doing it in Portuguese. But God calls us as his disciples to have a passionate understanding of who he is and all of his majesty and his greatness and his power and his strength and to go out and to chitter and chatter and gossip the gospel and to do it prayerfully and intentionally as salt and light. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you and we thank you that you are the God who loves. You are the God who reached out to us through grace. You're the God who placed faith in our hearts. You're the God who sent your son to die in our place. Oh, Father, might you increase our depth and understanding of who Christ is. Might you amplify our understanding of who you are and all of your majesty and power and perfection. And might you enthuse us, Lord. Might you challenge us, might you encourage us to live as salt and light. Father, I pray for Portugal, I pray for Spain, I pray for Italy, I pray for Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Lord, I pray for these parts of Europe where the Christian tradition is nothing more than a cultural tag of identity. But thank you, Father, that you have a call upon each of us as your disciples to live our lives in such a good way that they will see our good works and praise our Father who is in heaven. Father, we can only become these living stones as we cultivate our relationship with you through prayer, through fellowship, through reading, through study, so that you might shape us into those who resemble the wonderful fragrance of Christ as we go out. Father, watch over this particular ministry, this expression of your church here in Lurgan, over those who lead, over those who serve in so many different ways. And might this be a beacon of salt and light to this community. And might you, Father God, receive all glory and honor and praise. For we ask it in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.